We light these candles as a symbol of hope, healing for our brokenness when we struggle and suffer. The Lord is near no matter our circumstance. We are not alone. The scripture reading for the, today, it comes from Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be, to be born will be call, called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord for us. Have you ever noticed how excited Christians get when a famous person gets saved? <laughs> you know, it's like we rejoice with the angels when a sinner finds salvation. We celebrate a little harder when it's an A-lister. Let's just be honest, right? When the actor thanks God at the Oscars. Or when the athlete mentions the Lord in the post-game interview. When Deion Sanders talks about uh, Jesus when he's uh, discussing his new job switch. You know, we just kind of get amped up because they have a platform. They influence millions of people, and they've just leveraged that platform for the gospel. So I get it. Um, I'm for it. Uh, I I used to be a part of a church with a guy who just so desperately longed for and prayed for Oprah to get saved. (laughs) I remember him saying, because so many people admire her, so many people respect her, so many people listen to her, what what impact would that have? So again, I get it, I'm for it. Um, I I think we probably see some of this play out in the church world too when people get wrapped up in what's known as celebrity preacher syndrome, (laughs) where you really want to say that you go to his church. You, You really want that sort of clout and notoriety. You want to be able to say, yeah, I go to his church. You, you really want your leader to be prominent and important. You know? and, and I would say as far as respecting and honoring those in ministry, those in authority, like that's fantastic. Um, but when we look at the Bible, <laughs> when we look at the Bible, we see that God consistently does great things through those who are weak and insignificant. We see God doing that. Like most often, he doesn't go for the emperor or the Pharaoh, or the king. He uses the outcast and the broken. Scripture says he uses the weak to shame the strong. So even in sending his son, as we celebrate each and every Christmas, he chose Mary. We're going to learn more about her today, but he chose Mary for this vital task of bearing the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, and he arrives via an unwed pregnant teen. 
And he wasn't born into a wealthy family who had powerful connections. You know, his situation was awkward at best. Like his earthly parents, again, a teenage girl and her blue collar fiance. And why is this all hopeful? Because maybe as you look at your own life, you see something similar. Like your life and your family and your job and your situation just seems ordinary. Nothing special. Nothing important, not famous, not notable. Well, don't worry. (laughs) Because the Christmas story teaches us that God can use all of that for his glory. So that's just what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me introduce myself. I'm John. I'm thrilled that you're with us today. I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So we find ourselves in the second week of our Christmas series that we're calling Hope for the Holidays. (sighs) We need hope. We need hope in this season that can be so difficult and challenging. So last week we learned about a little bit of biblical history. These these 400 years before Christ, where there was this time of silence, this time of darkness. Like no prophets, no appearances of God, no miracles that are recorded. No angels or burning bushes, right? It appeared to them that God had left them, that God wasn't speaking. They were in the dark. Of course, God never left. Of course, God, even in that time, was unfolding his plan all along. That, that God was making a path, making a way for Jesus. That God was indeed working out his plans to bring hope. Hope for Zechariah and Elizabeth. We talked a little bit about them last week when when the angel came in the birth of their son, John. Hope for Mary and Joseph. Hope for Israel. Hope for the whole world. That's why we're still celebrating it 2,000 years later. Hope for the whole world. We have a Savior. He has come. The Lord Jesus, born as a baby. The Messiah, which means anointed one. The Lamb of God. But that doesn't mean that everything is fixed. And so I want to be clear on that. I think part of the reason maybe that the holidays can be so difficult is like uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Does that mean because Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, everything's fine, everything's perfect, everything is wonderful? Of course not. It doesn't mean that everything is immediately fixed. doesn't mean that the, the world we live in isn't still broken. That it's not going to be fixed until Jesus comes back a second time. That's when things are going to be made right, ultimately, and finally, and completely. When he comes back the second time. Which is part of the reason why, even at Christmas time, when we celebrate the newborn babe of Christ, we're, we're mindful of he's coming again. And so when Jesus came as a baby, he was ushering in God's redemptive plan. He, it wasn't the finality of it. So, we still live in a broken world. We are still broken people. And we encounter other broken people every single day. But here's the good news. Because of Christ, we have hope in our brokenness. Let me say that again. Because of Christ, we have hope in our brokenness. So today we're going to look at this passage in Luke chapter 1. It's the angel Gabriel visiting Mary. You can turn in your Bibles there. It's where we're going to really spend um, our time. He's telling Mary what's going to happen. Again, this is, this is part of God's plan as, he, as he's unfolding this plan of salvation. 
Not that everything is immediately fixed, there's no longer any brokenness, but the coming of Christ means that it's no longer silence and darkness, but God has broken into that through his son Jesus. So let's turn together, Luke chapter 1, starting verse 26, where we find out that it was in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy that God sent the angel Gabriel. Okay, so Gabriel gets his assignment. Where am I going, Lord? To Nazareth? <laughs> he's, he's going to Nazareth. A town in Galilee. Okay, that's helpful. Now I know where I'm going. Never heard of Nazareth before, but it's in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We really don't know a whole lot about Mary, honestly. We're going to talk about her today. We're going we're to look at what we do know. But we don't know a whole lot about her. We know she's in Nazareth, and we know her name is Mary, and she's pledged to be married to Joseph. They're sort of engaged. And then verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So, we have this amazing, dramatic, jaw-dropping scene where a celestial being sent by God visits a human on earth. (laughs) Ever happened to you? We know last week it happened to Joseph when the Lord came to him via the angel in the dream. It happens to Mary. And he begins by saying, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She's highly favored. Oh, so she must have been the most important one. I don't think so. She must have been the most intelligent one. Not necessarily. The one with the most experience. The one with the most influence. No. But she was chosen by God. So, so this, this uh, message begins with basically the angel is saying, you. God picks you. You are the one. You are chosen. You are highly favored for this special task. So who is it that God chose for this special task and mission? To be the mother of the Messiah. Did he use the rich and the famous? Did he use one of the real housewives of Nazareth? <laughs> he goes to this... This poor young woman, and we could even include Joseph in that, this couple, this, this poor young couple, they seemingly had no power and no influence, right? I mean, we know something of their story. This isn't the first time you're hearing the, the Christmas story. They couldn't afford a crib. <laughs> He's laid in a manger. Joseph wasn't even able to pull any strings to get them a room at the inn. Nope. No room for you. We also know, as we look at after Jesus was born, and Mary and Joseph take him to be presented in the temple, Luke chapter 2, the sacrifice they offered was two turtle doves. Now, why is this significant? Well, Leviticus chapter 12 tells us it's sort of an outline for uh, offering a sacrifice when you're presenting a newborn. And it's very clear from Leviticus 12 that the turtle dove is only acceptable for parents that cannot afford a lamb. We know they were poor. They couldn't afford the lamb. Mary was not from a wealthy family. She lived in Nazareth. There weren't very many wealthy or affluent people there. It was, it was a, a working class town. It was an area, actually, that was quite despised and looked down upon by, most of the, by the other Jews. It was like, oh, you're from there? So the, these were sort of the backwoods, like, uh, we live out yonder kind of folk. <laughs> Uh, not to mention the fact, we haven't talked about this yet, is uh, 
chances are very high, high, it's very likely that she was young, so probably 15 years old, 16 years old. And Mary was ordinary. She was humble. She's this young, poor female. We didn't really touch on that, but the uh, woman would not have had much respect or clout in their society. Nazarene. I mean, basically, she doesn't have anything going for her. People would not have drafted this person at the top of their going to be used by God for a major breakthrough for all humanity list. They wouldn't have picked her, but she is exactly who God chose. So when I say God doesn't, doesn't often in the scripture choose the kings and the pharaohs and the emperors, this is what I'm talking about. He chooses Mary from the backwoods, young, a Nazarene, looked down upon. Why? And here's the biblical truth for this morning. Because the Lord chooses the broken. So if you ever think about your ability, your experience, your education, and it just doesn't live up, it just doesn't match up, I must not be worth much, I I must not be very important because I don't have all those things, I don't have the letters that follow my name, don't limit what God can do. Because God chooses the broken. He can use you. He can use me. He can use all of us because he chose Mary. Will we trust him? I mean, I guess that, that would be the caveat is he can use you if you trust him. Will you submit to and surrender to him? Will you take him at his word? I mean, Jesus teaches this really clearly when he teaches in Matthew chapter five in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is the kingdom that Jesus was building. The poor in spirit, the down and out, the broken. So maybe this Christmas season you do find yourself struggling without much hope. I think you can take comfort in the fact that look at the first Christmas. It didn't seem to go too well either. A teenage girl is pregnant. There's no place for them. Again, we know the story. There's no place for them to stay at the end. Jesus laid in a feeding trough. Don't be discouraged when things are less than ideal. Jesus came into a world that was less than ideal. But because of Jesus, I said it before, but I'll say it again. Because of Jesus, we have hope in our brokenness. Can I get an amen? What good news. I mean, this is the Christmas message that that we have hope. Because of Jesus, we have hope, even in our brokenness. He draws near to us. Look at the end of verse 28 there. We're in Luke chapter 1. We've just looked at verses 26, 27, and 20. Look at the end of verse 28. What does the angel say? Somebody help me. A little bit louder. Amen. He he makes this clear to her. Hey, you're, you're chosen. You're selected. You, you might be discounted by everyone out, but the Lord has a good plan for you. And check this out. The Lord is with you. Like, don't, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry and wonder how it's going to go. God's got this. The Lord is with you. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus understands when we walk through pain and brokenness and hurt and hardship. Throughout his life, that's what Jesus experienced himself. He experienced everything we experience. He was born to imperfect parents. They even lost him one time. (laughs) 
He was disrespected and rejected and tempted by Satan himself. He was even accused of things that he never did. And yet in all of that, he never strayed from perfection. And so the good news for us is not that we will be perfect as he was, but the good news is that no matter what we go through, God understands. He understands our pain and the temptation and the struggle. It's like the the current ad campaign. He gets us. He gets us. He's been there. Jesus was born into a very broken world. He chose to step down from perfection and take on the form of this low-level member of society living among us. Why? He dwelt among us so that we could dwell with him for all eternity. Isn't it beautiful? So that we could then dwell with him for all of eternity. Because here's the truth. Whoever puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ will spend eternity in paradise in his forever presence. Forgiven of our sins, redeemed and washed clean, made new, at one with the Father. So that forever family of God, it's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for the prominent. The Lord chooses the broken to be a part of his kingdom as well. He'll never disappoint you. He'll never fail you. Reminds me of the story I just heard recently about the little girl, and she was in line to see Santa Claus. And it was a long line. (laughs) And she waited, and she waited, and she waited. She finally got up to Santa and had her turn where, you know, you do the thing where you put the child on the, on the lap. And she turns to him and has a very strange question. She says, Santa, are you a politician? He says, no, I'm not a politician. Why do you ask that? She says, well, you always promise a lot more than you deliver. Our God is not like that. Our God makes good on his promises. He draws near to us. So we have that good news that The Lord chooses the broken. The Lord also comforts the broken. Now, according to Jewish law, betrothal, in other words, an engagement between a man and a woman, it established this legal relationship between them. It was a binding covenant. It was was an agreement. It was uh, legal, right? It was was in place. It was firm. Um, In fact, it was so binding that the woman and all of her possessions, any, anything that she would have claimed or owned would have automatically already become uh, a possession of the man. He, he owns those things even before the wedding takes place. So typically, uh, according to the research I've done, this would have been a period of about one year. So it's sort of a year-long engagement. The, the, the period between betrothal and actual wedding is about one year. Now, All that the woman owns and all that she is basically belongs to the husband. Any unfaithfulness, of course, was considered adultery. It's it's sort of an engagement on steroids. Now, to be clear, they lived separately. They lived with their families of origin, like with their with their parents. So they're they're practically married, but not not quite. (laughs) They they would have lived separately until the actual wedding. And so when we have this news about Mary and her pregnancy, it is scandalous that this woman, this young woman, who's not yet experienced the the wedding and the marriage and the union with her husband and living with him, like, she's pregnant. So it's scandalous. Uh, Let's keep reading. We're we're walking through Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. So we're ready for verse 29. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
you have found favor with God. Now, let me just pause there a moment and say, favor, favored. Haven't we heard that somewhere before? <laughs> oh, yeah, we just heard it. And was it verse 26? She is favored. Why? Even though she's poor, even though she's broken, even though she's an outcast, she's one of those Nazarenes. God has chosen her. She is favored. So he says, you have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary is confused. Her response to this visit and to this news is she is perplexed. She is uncertain. Like, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? How, how, come again? <laughs> how, how is this? And the angel says, don't be afraid. But let's camp out there a little bit. Don't be afraid. So he, he says to Mary, you know, like, like we often see that the, the, uh, the angel visits and it's like, whoa, freak out moment. Don't be afraid. So I do think he's saying, don't be afraid here now. But also, don't be afraid as you endure the shame of pregnancy out of wedlock. Don't be afraid when you raise and nurture the Christ child, the Messiah. Don't be afraid when you hear him teach about the coming kingdom of God. Don't be afraid when you watch him die that gruesome death on the cross. It's all part of my plan. So so there's so much here when he says to her, don't be afraid. God's got a plan. And you don't have to be afraid because the Lord will comfort you. This is going to be hard. This is going to be challenging. This is going to be difficult. But the Lord will be with you. The Lord will sustain you. As an unmarried woman who was pregnant, she could have been charged with adultery, of course, stoned to death even. And even if her fiancé chooses to stand by her, his reputation is going to be ruined right along with hers. It's like, to whom can she turn? Like, go to her parents? Go to her friends? No one's going to believe her. She must have felt so alone, so confused, perplexed, overwhelmed, yes, broken. But because of Christ, we have hope in our brokenness. And she knew that hope. See, as the Lord chooses the lowly and the broken, as he comforts those who are at the end of their rope, the Lord changes the broken. That's our third point this morning as we look at this passage in Luke chapter 1. That is to say, he brings healing and restoration and hope. That he draws near to us in order to help us. And it's exactly in those moments where we have nowhere else to turn. Like, where am I going to go? Who's going to believe me? Who's going to trust me? Who's going to help me? It's in those moments where we have nowhere to turn that we turn to the Lord. And he helps us. And he guides us. And he changes us. In fact, God uses the hard things in life. God uses the things that break us and challenge us to drive us to him. And those Those are the blessings that we didn't originally see. It's like the story told about the king uh, of uh, of old. And this, this king had a boulder placed on a roadway leading into his great city. And then the king hides. And he's watching 
the boulder. He's going to see if anyone's going to remove it. Some of the king's wealthiest and most prominent merchants came by and just walked around the boulder. In fact, some of his most loyal subjects even made snarky comments about him. Oh, why doesn't our king ensure that our roadways are, are clear and we can move through them? But none of them did anything about moving the boulder. That was until the peasant comes along. In fact, the peasant even has a whole load uh, weighing them down, vegetables. And the peasant comes to the boulder and could have walked around it, probably had ample excuse, probably had somewhere they needed to be getting to the market to sell their wares. And yet the peasant stops and actually begins to push and heave and struggle and strain because it's a big boulder. And then finally, the peasant is able to move the boulder. And that's when the peasant notices that there was actually something under the boulder that the king had intentionally placed there. (laughs) It was a bag full of gold. He's now a rich man. He's now wealthy. And there was a note with the bag of gold from the king saying that this gold now belongs to whoever it was that chose to help him by moving that boulder out of the roadway. So it's it's a great old story. It's a, it's a tale that teaches, the, the lesson this peasant learned is a valuable one. Roadblocks and challenges, those things that seem like obstacles, can lead to great blessings. So we count our blessings even when they come in the form of brokenness and hardship. Here's what Psalm 147.3 says, this great promise. He heals the brokenhearted. And binds up their wounds. As the Lord draws near to us in our brokenness, he changes us. He has this way of of transforming and healing and helping and growing us to become even more like him. It's through your hardship and struggle. It's through the brokenness. It's in those moments of desperation where you're at the end of your rope. You have nowhere else to turn. That you seek the Lord desperately and he comes through. He doesn't fail. He makes good on his word. And transforms us and changes us and, yes, even blesses us. He uses us for his purposes and he fills us with hope. Well, let's finish this passage then with Mary's response. Luke 1, 34. How can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Well, here's the explanation. Verse 35, the angel, angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's the explanation. God's going to change you, Mary. It's going to be really hard. You're going to suffer shame and and struggle through this time. It's, It's unimaginable. It's scandalous. But God is going to come near to you. The Holy One... Will the, high, the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God. And then check this out. Verse 36, the angel says to her, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So ultimately, it's a message of good news. It's a message where through these verses, we see just more unfolding, more layers kind of being peeled back. So uh, maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering, like, what's the big deal? Okay, your cousin's pregnant. Like, why is that even significant? (laughs) 
This was a moment in Mary's heart and mind that was like eyes open to God is doing something really, really big. He's doing something unimaginable. My cousin Elizabeth, her relative, her cousin, she's even involved as well. This is the one who, she's been barren. She hasn't been able to have any kids. They've longed for a child, and she's never been able to have have a child. She is six months pregnant. And all of a sudden, Mary now has someone that she can go to. Right? When when she was totally desperate, totally alone, who am I going to go to? No one's going to believe me. No one's going to trust me. All of a sudden now, Mary has someone that she can go to, someone that she can talk with, someone that will understand her, someone that will believe her. So God's then going to use Elizabeth to care for her. God's going to use Elizabeth to encourage her. Oh, Mary is never going to be the same. (laughs) God has chosen her in her brokenness. God is going to comfort her through that brokenness, and now God is going to change her. This is true for each and every one of us, my friend. When you walk in the plans that God has for your life, he will change you. They will be difficult. They will be hard. You may end up like Mary saying, I'm supposed to do what? You want me to go where? But God will change you and sustain you. And he's going to give you these experiences just like he gave Mary where he says, okay, guess what? Elizabeth's along for the ride. She's also pregnant. Her son John's going to be a big part of this whole thing. Why don't you two get together, hang out? You can help her during her pregnancy. She's going to encourage you. She's going to believe you. She's going to understand Let me just ask, are you on the lookout for how God is moving in the lives of ordinary people? In your life, in the life of your family, in your workplace, in your community, in your core group, in Fredericksburg, Ohio? Are you on the lookout for how God is on the move? Or are you just looking to the people who are powerful and beautiful and influential? Are you just looking to them to change the world? Let's just leave it up to Dion, Neon Dion. I think God is revealing to us this year as we study the Christmas story that through this birth, he uses even the weakest, even the the broken and the downtrodden and the ones from the backwoods country, young and scandalous situations for his kingdom, for his glory. I mean, you might be saying that of your own life and circumstances. This isn't what I expected. This is what I had hoped for. This isn't what I dreamed about. This isn't what I wanted. And and maybe those circumstances have stolen your joy. See see previous sermon series (laughs) through the book of Philippians. Maybe those circumstances have stolen your joy. Uh, What good news we have to share this Christmas. That Jesus left heaven, came to earth as a baby in a manger. Born to a virgin. (laughs) Yes. Born to a virgin. Why? To rescue us. To to do that which God had designed to, to unfold God's master plan of salvation, to redeem us, to give us hope, to live for his glory, that we then would shine like a city on a hill to share him with the world that so desperately needs him, with the world that he so loves. Because of Christ, we have hope in our brokenness, even when you don't feel joy. You can say, actually, let's just 
jump down to verse 46. We don't have time this morning to go through all of Mary's song of praise and her response, but she, she, she sings and she celebrates what God is doing. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Oh, that we could say that same thing. I might be ordinary. This life might not have turned out the way I expected. This situation that I'm walking through seems really messed up right now. But my soul rejoices because God has been mindful even of my humble state because I'm his servant. Not because the circumstances are good. Because he is good in spite of the circumstances. Like we saw in verse 37 there where where Mary is reminded of something we always have to keep in mind. That no word from God will ever fail. Some translations of course say for nothing is impossible with God. Mary chooses complete surrender to God and to his will. She has hope. She has hope because she knows the Lord is in control. And because of Christ, we too can have hope even in our brokenness. God uses the poor. God uses the broken and the downtrodden and the outcast and the insignificant to bring about his purposes in the world. It's in doing so that we have hope for the holidays. Let's pray. Thank you, good and gracious God, for this good news of a God who so loved the world he created that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And so even as we celebrate Christmas this year, Lord, we are mindful of the fact that Jesus is coming back. That in the meantime, God, you are with us. You are Emmanuel, the God who is with us. That Jesus came and walked this earth. He knows our pain and our struggle and our brokenness. He chooses us. He brings us great comfort through the trial and changes us in the process that we would become even more like you. Oh God, we desperately pray this morning, would you take our lives and use them for your glory and for your kingdom? For the short period of time that we have on this earth, that we would shine brightly for you, that others would hear the good news of Jesus, put their trust in you, and be a part of your forever family. And so Lord, I pray for MCA that we would be a church fruitful with kingdom work. Not going through the motions of of playing church and, and religious ritual but a people on mission with you. Vibrant community. Sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world. Thank you, God, that you can accomplish these things by your power, by your might, and yes, Lord, for your glory. So thank you for this wonderful, amazing season where we see signs of Christmas all around. Lord, would you use it to remind us of your unfolding plan of salvation, that we would be grateful in our own lives and share it with others. Church, if you have a prayer need this morning, our prayer team is going to make themselves available here in the front after the service. If you have a burden, if you want to draw near to him, come. We would be honored to pray with you and bless you. And so, Lord, we just continue to look to you that you would guide us, sustain us, and provide for us as the faithful God that we've known you to be. To you be the honor and the glory forever and ever. And we pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.